Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. And we are the podcast that has never, ever been sent off to successive shows. My name is Chris. I am your host. And today I am once again joined by Messrs. Jazz, Jez and Phil. Nearly got your wrong, your name completely wrong there, Jez. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, afternoon to you both. Hello. Hello. Hello there. Uh, sunny skies where I am today, and uh, it's certainly heating up as far as the Ligue 1 climax is, or sort of relevant, I suppose, to say is coming to a climax because we only have three games left. Sad, sad times. But a couple of things were decided this weekend. Um, maybe another thing that's closer to being decided, although not, not for sure. And a couple of other stories that have piqued our interest. So we shall launch straight into those. I want to start by talking about Lens and Marseille because they are kind of the uh, the major story as far as the, the chase for automatic qualification to the Champions League. I think that is quite relevant because... Some people um, sort of may not have been aware that it is second space that goes directly into the group stage, whereas third has to qualify and um, ask any Monaco followers what that does to a pre-season. It's, it's not ideal. As it stands, Lens are in that second spot. They are two points clear of Marseille as a result of the weekend's, um, or as a result of the weekend's results, I should say. Lens got a, a 2-1 victory over Rams on the Friday night game. Uh, Seiko Fofana once again coming up trumps, despite the fact that uh, Kevin Danso is sent off in the same game. So 10-man Lens winning by two goals to one and coming from behind. And uh, Marseille got a 3-1 victory also coming from behind, although that's less surprising at the Velodrome as they beat the uh, recently relegated Angers by three goals to one. So it's kind of as you were. Um, Phil, in terms of if if this stays the way it is, and we'll come on to the run-ins in a second, but uh, does this does this potentially change what Marseille might have to change in the off-season? Because they're not going to get much of a break at all if indeed they finish third. And arguably, they're the bigger of the two names where the pressure will be on them to get into the Champions League. So is that kind of the biggest concern for them if they do end up in that third spot? Yeah, I think um, we all of us have been uh, very excited about watching Lance. And again, as you said, it was, OK, Frankowski uh, got the equaliser in the game on uh, Friday night, but it was Fafana with a captain's goal to get them back into it, despite the fact they were down to 10 men. Um, whereas Marseille were playing Angers, who are gone. So I think it's... The thing we're all hoping for is that Lance can stay up there because that's something different. You know, you say Marseille are supposed to be up there. Yes, they are. But having some difference in there is uh, very exciting. And the way Lance play, and if they are going to get into the Champions League, then maybe they will keep hold of most of their players. So I think it's an end of 
a season where we're going to see second and third, maybe switching places a couple of times. But with Lance, they seem to be much more organised and settled. Um, and that's a really good place for them to be and just want to see them go on and do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <clears throat> definitely. And, and I think we've said on this pod in the last couple of weeks, it would be kind of a personal opinion, but it would be nice to see Lons get that second spot um, just in terms of what they've done over the course of the of the season. As we look at those run-ins, Jez, who who do you feel, ha- who's the advantage with here? Because I'll give you the three fixtures. Um, Lons go away to Lorient on the weekend, so that's a guaranteed loss. Uh, joking, of course. They then face um, Ajaxia, who will come on to in a minute, and then they finish up away at Auxerre, which could have, uh, could be issues uh-huh. to resolve in that one. Uh, Marseille, meanwhile, away at Lille the weekend which is you know has its own own connotations we will also come on to Lille in a second they then host Brest which again could be relevant and they also play Ajaxia on the final game of the season which again you'd expect them to come out on top um where's your money at the moment Jez well look at those three fixtures for each uh, do you feel like Lons are going to have enough to uh to get over the line or do you still see a, maybe a twist in the tail um I think I mean, both teams start as favourites for all their matches, but I do think that Lance's running is slightly harder and I could see them dropping points, um, possibly against Lorient. I suppose it depends how motivated they are. And certainly against Ozer last match of the season, if Ozer has something to play for. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there still could be a twist and I've, I've just got a feeling that, that Marseille could sneak it. Um, you know, I think we alluded to it last week more in terms of the the relegation teams, but you know, this is the kind of time of the season where you want your big players to step up, and we've certainly seen for fun and doing that, for example, the last couple of weeks. But um, at the same time, you've got a very fresh because he's barely played all season. Payet who scored a couple of important goals the last couple of weeks. Um, Sanchez popping up again with with a goal. I just, I yeah, I just, I just got a feeling that, that Marseille could win all of them, whereas Lens may just, even if it's just one draw, that that would be enough, I guess, to to give Marseille second. Yeah, so you you would back Marseille to beat um, Lille, for example, then, because that, that's the one fixture, I guess, that stands out above all of them. Well, um, Lille is sort of. I was going to say they're the new Lyon, but Lyon proved this weekend that they're still. Neon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lil just had such a strange season that you don't know what to get, what you to expect from them. Like they play really well and lose, really badly and win. There's rarely sort of two consistently good performances in a row. Um you know, last six matches, for example, like lose, win, draw, win, lose, draw. Um yeah, just they're they're. I mean, the fact that they're they've got Marseille at home may make a difference. Although, as we discussed before, Marseille seem to be more effective away from home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a tough match, but I just I feel like Marseille. That's the kind of match where 
Lille, like I said, like Lyon, are so flaky that maybe just, you know, Tudor team goes in hard a couple of early challenges and Lille might decide they don't fancy it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like this weekend ahead is probably going to be the key one in terms of, yeah, as you say, Lons Lorient and uh, Marseille. Lille feels like if there's going to be a switch around, it might be coming this weekend. There is some discussion around Igor Tudor's future as well, which has come out today. There's some talk that he might be interested in going back to Italy. I wonder if anything will come about with that as well. But one thing's for sure, they will probably be busy in the uh, in the winter. Uh, sorry, in the summer transfer window ahead of the new season. Um, switching it down to the bottom, um, Phil, we, we've lost Ajaxio and Trois. Uh, no surprise to anybody that I'm saying that, because I think we we all said that this was probably going to happen a few seemingly years, months ago now, but they have both gone. It, who's the kind of the biggest issue does this revolve around? Because Trois are part of the City group, as we know, which won't go down particularly well with some of their overlords that one suspects. And Ajaxio, they were always going to be punching above their weight to, to come up to this level in the first place. But we've seen some pretty big names tumble down to Ligue 2, um, who are still struggling now. I think Nima, one of the teams struggling to stay up in, in Ligue 2. Do you see a future for either of these two to come back, especially with the heft that Twa have behind them, for example? Well, it um, both of them, obviously, uh, we saw big wins against them. Um, Ajatia were playing PSG, so you wouldn't have expected much, but that was a 5 0 hammering. Um, featuring a couple of red cards late on due to a small fight between Hakimi and Mangani. Um, I didn't watch this match because Eurovision, um, but that was pretty pointed. And then on Sunday, Trois were just hammered by Ren. 4-0 um, with uh, a double for Kotoke Kambi, one for Teata, one for Borigo. We knew they were going, to be fair, and in a, a regular season where three teams go down, you'd be saying, fine. Thing is, still one left to go down, and that's yeah. where I think it becomes much more uh, interesting. After I was confidently saying Oxair will be fine a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure now because of the running. So, yeah, we've got the three confirmed relegation spots but ooh, the, the last one's going to be going to be interesting to see yeah yeah we'll definitely touch on that um in a tick as well because uh, there's some some uh some movement in that particular area of the uh of the table as well what what's your thoughts on the in fact let's rope Bonger into this as well Jez I mean we, we've we've kind of done them to death unfortunately but um of those three that are now confirmed to be gone and we'll put Tuana Jaxio into that box as we said 
is there hope for any of these three? And when I say is there hope, of course, there's always hope. But which of those three do you feel are, are best set to come back? There's been quite a lot of talk in the press this week about Angers restructuring their whole club and new management being linked and all sorts is going on there seemingly. But are they primed to come back or do you feel like particularly 12 with their financial backing, like we mentioned, and, and Ajaxio, albeit underdogs, showed a lot of heart to get here in the first place? Yeah, I mean, we've seen before with sort of teams, I was going to say teams like Ajaxia. I mean, Ajaxia themselves, Bastia have done it before, obviously, even um, Gazadek Ajaxio, I think. Um, and sort of, I'm just grouping them because they're all Corsican, but other clubs like that, you know, very well organised um, with a, a good sort of win behind them. You know, like Amiens a few years ago, another example, maybe even Angers at the time that they first went up, that just... Yeah, a well-organised team and club behind them can sort of, um, you know, make make strides and and get that sort of surprise promotion. I think that's going to be maybe a little bit harder as the years go on because there are a lot, as you said, there are a lot of big clubs and fallen clubs now in Ligue 2. Um, you know, next season, Saint-Étienne will still be there. I very much hope that Bordeaux will still be there for personal <laughs> reasons, as in mess, not anything against Bordeaux. Um, and, you know, there's other clubs that are sort of resurrecting themselves. So there's, I think it's going to be difficult for any of them. But Trois, I think, probably have the advantage depending on how much the City Group want to invest in them. And as a club, they've also got you know, a lot of experience of being one of these sort of yo-yo clubs as well. It's Sanger that I worry for because just everything off the pitch has been going very much downhill for a couple of years now. And, you know, it's it's good that Chaban's selling and, and hopefully things will change, but it's probably not something that's going to turn around very quickly. So, um, yeah, the three of them, I think, I just feel like Ajaxio are probably... You know, this year was a bonus and, and they're kind of ready to be back in, in Ligue 2. Trois will always be looking, I think, to be upwardly mobile. And Angers, I think it's the one, you know, after however long it is, in in, in Ligue 1, going down in a bit of disarray. Um, they're the ones I sort of worry about a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Angers are, are certainly the ones to watch in terms of what they do next because there's a lot of talk, but... Till we see some action that'll be interesting to see um if we get time we'll make touch on that league der situation at the end as well um elsewhere then then phil you, you touched on it previously but we um we saw a couple of the other clubs that are, are in and amongst that relegation spot and uh, play again at the weekend um the game that that we all probably were focused on in in terms of who would come out on top was the the breast and Osea game and breast won it by one goal to nil which like you say it does sort of plunge up so right back onto the edge again but not despite their um their flare based incidents with Toulouse uh, which delayed the game by an hour they couldn't make the breakthrough in that game either and drew nil nil so it's kind of as you were but you you fear for us there a little bit now with, with that that I, result I do because um if you look at them Osera 16th and Nantes 17th but I think the run-in they've both got really makes the difference. So Observer have played PSG, 
to lose and loss. So if they get a point against to lose, that's pretty much all I'm seeing. Whereas Nantes are playing Montpellier, Lille and Angers. So they can probably get four points out of that, which would mean Oxera down. So I think that's a very uh, interesting situation we're going to look at. You you mentioned um, the issues. Um, Toulouse versus Nantes. When you say uh, it's a suspicious package, we're postponing kickoff. Normally, that means someone's left a elderly suitcase behind. This was not that. Um, you had Toulouse fans putting a couple of packages in the away end, set up to be triggered remotely to cover the not fans in purple smoke. They had the bomb squad out for this. I mean, this is not good. They are going to be fined. There's going to be all sorts of stuff going. I just think also not fans have had a lot to put up with in the last couple of weeks. I think being fumigated on an away trip is probably not good. So this was, yeah, a bit awkward, shortly. But Toulouse are going to cop an absolute bomb. Uh, Excuse the language from uh, the disciplinary committee on this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really, I suppose the way I'd put this, um, in fact, let me ask you, Jess, how, how I would put that those fixtures that Phil's mentioned there between Nantes and, and Osea, and I said at the start of the pod, we're, we're assuming Brest and Strasbourg are, are clear at this point, and um, full credit to Strasbourg, by the way, four wins out of five is is pretty decent, albeit at the weekend they got a win over Nice, um, but that the Dial factor seems to have uh, worked a treat. I was reading somewhere that he's got, I think it's 18 in, in, um, in 2023, which is up there. I think it's only Lacazette who's got the same amount in, in France's this calendar year, which is pretty impressive for a side struggling. Um, and that win with Brest just puts them four points above that line. My question to you would be, yes, I can see Osea losing certainly one, if not two of those fixtures, but can you actually see not winning? Because I'm not sure I can. And if that happens, then we're as we are and that's that. Am I being harsh? I just What, I, what I've seen of not so far is post Comboare or previous, it just doesn't look good to me. No, I think that's exactly what it turns on. I think you've got to sort of be, I know I'm kind of going against what I said earlier about Ozea against Lance, but you've got to, you know, Ozea should be losing those three matches. I think probably of all the clubs in Liga to lose are probably more on the beach than anyone else. So maybe they can get something out of that match. But, um, uh, yeah, certainly they've got 
definitely the tougher run in. Um, and then, as you said, it's a case of cannot get anything. But you have to think, surely, last match of the season at home, they've got to be beating Angers. And if we're saying that Auxerre aren't getting anything, then with the goal difference, actually, not probably only need one point from their remaining three fixtures. So I feel like non probably will just about have enough to stay up. But I feel like, you know, cliches about the table at the end of the season doesn't lie and all that rubbish. Um, I, it, to me, it would feel a little bit wrong. Mm. Again, just in terms of football and sort of joie de vivre and all that kind of thing, I think it would be nicer if Voltaire stayed up. Mm. Um, I, d- I don't think it's out of the question that they will, because I think they could sneak a surprise result um, or two. But I feel like just based on fixtures, none of the favourites. But they, re- they yeah, they're going to have to sort of reverse a, a pretty steep downhill slide that they're on at the moment. Is it three goals better off? They are goal difference wise as well. I think I'm right. I think it's like ten or something. Is it ten? Okay, no, I'm looking at a table that doesn't give me accurate goal difference, which doesn't help at all. Um, but yeah, so I mean that that might way well come into into factor. I sort of feel like this weekend is where we're going to really see whether there's going to be a switch around there because um, closure is filled. But you, you'd you think if not, we're going to get a win uh, of those three games home to Montpellier, who you know don't have a lot to play for, you would think would be the game to get it this weekend. Whereas Osea, albeit That's at home to be a draw. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, even a draw that would sort of put them like, I think like Jez is saying, put them back into that. Still, if they beat Angers on the final day, which Jesus, they should, yeah. would probably be in. We could be in for one of those like end of day, end of season games where it's like one team has to score seventeen goals or something stupid to to stay up. Let's hope not. But yeah, you you feel like Osea and PSG that I mean. I can't see anything other than a PSG win. I just can't. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, they might have their flip-flops on or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see. But I, I think probably Strasbourg and Brest are just about done. Maybe a point each. We'll, we'll see those two over the line. But I think it's fair to say that they're, they're fairly comfortable. Um, back to <clears throat> excuse me, the European chase. Um, Jess mentioned it earlier on, Leon going to Leon. So uh, they're once again out of the chase. Or, well, not out of the chase, but um, 56 points now. They're four points behind Lille, who occupy the final European spot in fifth uh, after they got a draw this weekend. Um, in the nil-nil draw, that was with Monaco, who now sit fourth. And Monaco officially cannot make the Champions League spot. So they're clinging on for dear life into that fourth place, which is the Europa League group stage. Uh, Meanwhile, fifth gets the uh, Europa Conference qualification, which again means an early start to next season. Uh, Phil mentioned it earlier on, Rennes did topple Troyes by four goals to nil. And they've put themselves into a position now where they could well sneak into those places. Who's the biggest story here, Phil? Is is it Monaco? Can they cling on? Because they have got a five-point cushion over Lille, but couple of results all of a sudden and that changes round and you've got both Lille and Ren sort of lurking in behind them. Do you do you still fancy Monaco to claim fourth? And if so, who of Lille and Ren yeah. do you think will, will get I that last I think the the four 
the five point gap they've got is enough. What we saw at the weekend with Clermont beating Lyon basically put Lyon out of out of the race. That was a fabulous match. If anyone saw it, it was chaos in the second half and then got very dull and then got chaotic again at the end um, when we saw uh, another injury time penalty for Lacazette saved by Diao. So I think that's pretty much done. Um, when you look at that, again, Leon really struggling. And they had, uh, what, 15 shots, nine in that game. But they couldn't anything on target. They couldn't, they couldn't uh, convert any of those. And that was really what we've been looking at at Lyon throughout. So inconsistent. Yeah. So, I don't know what the word is. So scattergun. Yeah. That they were not able to uh, deal with that match and Clermont. A very, very good um, uh, presentation from there uh, with a brace from key, uh, one from penalty spot, but they were really on it and Leon just couldn't do anything with the chances they got. So this was uh, very interesting. But we have, uh, with Lacazette getting one goal there, still a bit of a uh, tussle at the top of the top score table. Yeah, I swear Mbappe and Balogun, I think, are the other two that could potentially still... Scoop that particular crown <clears throat> um, with obviously with three games to go. Uh, although you do fancy that Mbappe might fill his boots in a couple of those fixtures upcoming. Um, Monaco's running is not the easiest, just looking at that. They, well, again, depending on which Leon turns up, they've got Leon away at the weekend, which we know the history between those two. They then go away to Ren. That's probably the key one because, mm-hmm. uh, if and oh, God, of course, we are in that time of the season where we're dealing in ifs, buts and maybes, but if Ren were to beat Ajaxio at the weekend, which you think they probably would, um, that could potentially cut that gap if Leon were to be able to get result down to two. And then it's kind of a bit of a showdown between Ren and Monaco for whoever wins that particular game would not essentially guarantee themselves European football, but I think it's fair to say it would be in the driving seat and the momentum that would come off the back of that as well. Um, and to finish off, uh, Ren finish away at Brest, who would probably be safe by then. Uh, Monaco finish at home to Toulouse, who, again, on the beach, etc. and so on, but not an easy game. And Lille, in the midst of all that, 
just put them into the uh, equation. We mentioned their game of Marseille at the weekend, big game for both. They then face Nantes at home, which we mentioned Nantes previously, and uh, they finish with Trois away. So again, two out of the three definitely winnable, arguably three out of the three, depending on which Marseille turn up. So difficult to uh, to say, but um, one thing's for sure, I, th- I think it's fair to assume there'll be quite a lot of change at Monaco this summer. They, they're kind of limping to the final final stages of this this season it's it's not gone the way they would have expected things to have gone I think it's fair to say um before we come on to uh, another topic I just wanted to bring up uh, we'll just have a look at some of the other results from the weekend um that we haven't discussed uh, so Montpellier and Lorient uh, drew 1-1 um nothing really to see here other than the fact that Montpellier got a very late goal in that one to to draw it up. Um, mentions the Toulouse-Nantes game and the Clermont-Lyon game. Um, by the way, that K header in that game, wow, some serious jumping ability that that has got. What a header that was. Um, and the Strasbourg-Nice game, as we mentioned earlier on, a tuna win for Strasbourg, uh, sees them clear. Um, very good goal from Mbappe, by the way, in that PSG Ajaxia goal. If you haven't seen that, it's well worth digging out to uh, to view as well um so touchy subject here um Jez, i'll start with you on this one there's been some uh, pushback about the anti-homophobia and sort of equal rights movement that Ligue 1 put on this weekend um we saw the sort of the rainbow print on the shirts within the numbers um, Montpellier had a specially um, auctioned off kit at the end of the, the game, which I think the proceeds went to, to charities, which they do for breast, breast cancer awareness as well. Um, it's not gone down well with everyone, though. And what, what's, what have, what's your sort of views on the comments, particularly from certain managers and, and indeed, in Toulouse's case, five players that just outright said they aren't going to play? It's, it's a little bit... <laughs> I don't know what the words to use are, but it's not it's not a great look, is it, for the league in, in what should have been a, a celebration day? I don't think it's a bad look for the league. I think, you know, you can criticise the LFP and for doing lots of things very badly, but I think this is a, you know, 100% positive initiative by by the league. Um, it's just, as you said, some, some issues with certain players and certain coaches... Um, I think the first thing in terms of the players, I just want to try to be careful about what I say. I think most of the, or generally the, the players who have had an issue with it have been um, people with a certain religious persuasion. And I, you know, that that's up to them sort of depending on, how practicing they are, what they believe in, that they don't necessarily need to be in favor of homosexuality. But this was not about, you know, I don't know, let's all let's all be homosexual or, you know, anything like that. This was anti-homophobia. Yeah. And that is the bit that I really, for me, leaves a bad taste. That's a very, very different message to kind of you know, if you're of the persuasion that you don't want to be seen to be encouraging or promoting or even condoning homosexuality, that's your lookout. But this is simply, you know, people should not be sort of 
persecuted or beaten up or ostracized or stigmatized or whatever it is because of their sexuality and so i i don't understand why anyone should have an objection to that um so that's that's the players the clubs i mean if we're talking specifically about nonsense and Toulouse, non okay they they find um muhammad and and he he at least a sort of you know, fronted up and said that for him it was, you know, his family have received threats and things. There, we should say, I mean, we might save this for another time because I feel like it's going to be a bigger and bigger story. And, of course, it's also at the root of a lot of the, the Gautier thing. Um, it feels like the issue of, of Ramadan and, and players fasting is going to become just a bigger and bigger sort of controversy and talking point. And, you know, last week there was a sort of aborted story about whether some in the March sort of international break, whether a few France under 21 players considered striking um, and then Ekip reported that Mbappe was drafted in to sort of appease everything. And then Mbappe sent a tweet saying, in response to Ekip saying, uh, get your facts right and, and don't involve me in your, in your sort of salacious stories or whatever. So I think that's going to be a, another story. Um, so, and, and, you know, I think where Muhammad is coming from might be sort of, he said that that's, that was the sort of the genesis of the threats that his family got. And so this being another kind of potential flashpoint, um, he, he didn't want to play and not, I think did the right thing and find him to lose. They sort of said our punishment to our players is we're suspending them for the match, which seems strange because that's exactly what they wanted. What they wanted, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think they've handled it brilliantly. And then you've got Eric Roy, the, the coach of Brest, who bizarrely, I mean, I, I don't know. You can kind of understand just as the coach of, of the team, he was saying, well, this, you know, he's all in favour of a of a day, you know, of this sort of initiative, but it shouldn't be so close to the end of the season because Nantes and Toulouse not having certain players playing could affect the relegation scenario, which obviously could have affect could affect Brest. That I just think is also also really leaves a bad taste. Like there are things that are, believe it or not, more important than football. And this is definitely one of them. And then the surprise for me, just because he's always come across as a, as a very decent guy, is Bruno Genesio, who basically was kind of saying, oh, I'm not against this initiative, but everything I'm saying suggests that I am. Yeah. Um, and kind of, you know, football shouldn't be getting involved in this kind of thing. It's, you know, it's not for the football pitch. And I was really, really shocked at that. And that that's the one, in a way, that I found the most disappointing and distasteful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to be completely clear, I'm gay. So what I thought about this, I'm conflicted because um, Muhammad, Mustafa Muhammad at Nantes now he didn't want to play 
and we've heard that he got and his family got threats from him saying that he would break his fast in Ramadan to play on game days. And if we all know that French football has not been great at accommodating um, Muslim players, and if he sees that the Federation, the league, are not supporting him, why should he support other people who he might have issues with? And I do understand that. And when you look at what Eric Ward said about timing, he actually said this should have been done in November, December, not at the end of the season when this could be problematic. Now, this was uh, at the weekend designed to line up with The, what's the word, the, uh, the day of um, gay uh, liberation, the day of gay recognition, etc. So with that, I was kind of, well, we can't just move this around, but with Genesio as as Jess says, when he said it's unnecessary, mm. one day is unnecessary, we don't need to do it all the time. And it's like, well, one day, all the time. One mm. day, all the time. What, what are you saying? Yeah. So I thought that was very strange from him. And what we saw with Toulouse and Nantes, obviously there was just, it, that was an absolute shit show, that, uh, that game. Mm. So this was, this was awkward and unfortunate. And look, what I'd like is everyone is cool with everything. Yeah. That's clearly not how it works. No. But if Mohammed from not says, I respect everyone, but you should respect me too. Yeah. It's like, well... I do kind of see his point because there is a an unfortunate uh, situation with regards to Muslim 
is and being out but also you say you respect everyone so you can't wear a shirt like um so that was um slightly unfortunate but i think as jez says it's less about the players and more about the managers yeah and Genesio was just not good no talking about that I quite like to see or hear one of the players that this affects come out and speak about the reasons as the, the reasons behind why um you know like Mohammed for example I I just sort of kind of feel like if a player came out and said look if I do this these are the ramifications to me and my family um and these this is why I sort of I, I kind of understand that side of things the the managers themselves totally with you both there in terms of that these are these are French managers um you know in a league where it, this isn't news is it we every season they know this day is coming <clears throat> that you can plan around it um and whatever your views just just be quiet and i think like you touched on just there's further comments have come out today from Kefren turam where he's alluded to the fact that some people are not speaking up with regards to the galtier issue and as you said well, we'll save that for another that, day but... but the galtier issue is very separate from Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But it just, but it just further shows that there are certain things that are either not coming to the surface or not being said. And then when it comes to days like this, where it should be about inclusion of all, and it should be about you know expression or being able to express oneself in however they see fit, that 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 should be celebrated, not you know not sort of thrown up in the air like it has been to to be a massive controversial subject. It just shouldn't be that way. And I don't. The managers in the past, we've we've seen it. Some of the old-fashioned managers in all sorts of leagues and whatnot, where you know a player mysteriously just before international duty, um, you know, has a mysterious hamstring injury. Why why is that not considered in these sort of circumstances? Why is there not? An, and I'm not saying people should hide away from their their views or their beliefs, whatever. I, I get that, but if they know it's going to cause so much upheaval. What would have been the harm in those Toulouse players, for example, all saying, you know, getting together and saying, look, this is how we feel. We'd rather not make this a massive issue. We're going to sit this game out. That's our choice. That's our right. What? Why then did it need to become public for the reasons why? I because that's what happened with um, uh, Idrissa Gay at PSG last year. And it turned out yes, that right, yeah. it was, I think, the second year that, and it just, it, you know, PSG hadn't said anything, Gay hadn't said anything, and and I guess someone had sort of looked at the dates or something and, and worked it out. I don't know. Um yeah. and I just as I said, I feel like this along with Ramadan is, is gonna just become a bigger and bigger story every year now. Mm. Um and in, yeah. and in a country where there come are so on, many African based players I'm, as well. Seriously. If if you don't want to wear the shirt because it's got rainbow numbers on the back. 
fine but then you have to understand that other people are going to say eh? they're yeah. going to comment on that they're going to critique you for that I, I as I said I don't want people to wear a rainbow shirt because they feel they have to mm. I want them to believe it and be you know invested in it mm. and if you aren't going to wear it, then be honest about why not. Yeah. And then we can all make a decision. Maybe the only solution to this is that they, the players who choose to opt out of this just have the, the shirts with the normal numbers. Maybe that's the only way that they can can move this forward. I mean, it, we've seen this before with the poppy in the and, UK. And, and then, then it will be, okay, these are the good guys, these are the bad yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. That, I agree. that it, won't work. It will still cause controversy. It will still cause conversation to be had. But there was, me, there was there's an editorial about it in Lucky, and there was a very pointed conclusion yeah. saying, you know, maybe when Toulouse have got this brilliant sort of, um, you know, data model for bringing in players. Maybe they should add a metric about tolerance. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that and that and and again, that you know, we maybe we'll say this for another day when when the season's finished. But that opens up another a whole other area where where you do have to sometimes look at your players and you do have to. <laughs> you can't win, can you? Because if then it gets out that the club they're not going to sign a player based on his religious or you know personal beliefs then that player can then turn around and say right so i didn't get the big move to a big club x or y or z because of so you just can't win can you like it's 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 a sign of the times unfortunately and like i say there is no right or wrong answer to this um well i think given uh what jess said about the uh editorial on the keep uh that said that um, homophobia is not uh, an opinion like any other. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it's just so a... what you're seeing here is that French football as an institution is saying we are not supporting bigotry. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make the decision based on that. Yeah. It's it's a tough topic. I think you both spoke very well. And, and Jazz, you're absolutely right to bring me up on that fact that it, it isn't a league issue. They did do everything within their powers. I probably worded that wrong. It was more of a clubs within the league issue and, and in terms of how many eyes that go on to uh, Liga, you know, about this from the weekend. It's unfortunate. But um, let's go back to the pitch then. Um, Phil, Coupe de France, female edition. Um, what happened? And um, I believe we had some tears. Yeah, OL won 2-1 against BSG. Um, Ard Hegberg with the double. Um that's their 
believe it was knee. I could be wrong. Um, but he's had a scan today waiting for the outcome of that. But I sort of said at the time, I feel like this might be the end for his his France career. Um, you wanted to throw Kant into that mix as well. Is it's, it's a bit sad, isn't it, how it's kind of petering out for Pogba because he was so, so influential in, in the, the last World Cup prior to this most recent one um, in terms of not just on the pitch, but behind the scenes was, you know, everyone knows he's a bit of a character, but he really came through as a leader. It's kind of gone off the rails since he basically since he went back to Manchester United and, and then back to Juventus. It's, it's just not worked out for him or his body, has it? Um. No, I mean, I wonder if we're going to see more and more of that, of this kind of thing with players who you know, come in, sort of achieve so much so young. You know, last mm. week we were talking about the, I think about the the France under twenties, and of course he was he was part of that team that that won it in two thousand and thirteen. But you know, of, of all the players in that squad, I think it's probably fair to say sort of achieved the most and was already, you know, already the first time he was at United before he went to Juventus was already a, a big name everywhere. And, and um, you know, these players are playing so much football at such a high intensity from such a young age now that, you know, it's, it's weird that it's kind of, an anomaly that there's certain players like Ronaldo and Messi that are going on so so late into their thirties, Ibrahimovic, I guess, as well. But you think that's going to be the exception rather than than the norm going forward. And and Pogba certainly, you know, you, you can speculate as to whether off the field issues have have had any consequences as well. But it just it feels like his body is is letting him down. And you know, certainly the type of player he is. You know, very much an all-action midfielder who can, you know, play defensive midfield, central midfield, attacking midfield. You know, he's, even as a number ten, he you know get, get gets around on the pitch, does a bit of everything. As you said, leaves it all out there emotionally as well. And and I think I think they've just said it. The scan revealed a, a sort of slight tear, but it still means probably a season's over. And you know, maybe with a full preseason behind him, he can he can get back to something like his best next season. But you know, he turned thirty two months ago. Conte, who you know has barely played this season because of various injuries and and missed the match of the weekend because of another groin injury. He's thirty two. You just feel like you know. Surely the, their best days are behind them, but it would have been nice for them to to kind of prolong their careers at the very highest level a little bit longer. But I can't see Conte staying at, at Chelsea, for example. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, you know, thank goodness, obviously we've got still some very good midfielders coming through for France. And, you know, you'd, you'd hope that, for example, Chouameni and Kamavinga become the starting pair for Real Madrid and then they'll be able to transfer that to to um to France. You've got Rabio who ironically maybe because Pogba hasn't been there at, at PS uh, uh Juventus, he's been he's had a fantastic season there and in the World Cup as well. So yeah. we know we've got good midfielders, but it's just a shame that those two players who were so so important to that last World Cup on and off the pitch in their very different ways, um are sort of I guess not ending their careers and certainly their international careers on their own terms. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, it is quite sad. And Conte in particular, I could kind of see him coming back to France 
Uh, I feel like he would be quite well suited to winding his days down back in, in the league. Pogba, I think, is too much of a name um, to, to sort of come back to, to Ligue 1 personally. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I can see Pogba ending up in MLS, to be honest. I think that's probably where... Pogba's never played in France. Has he, not, of course he hasn't, though, because he came through think... the United youth team, didn't he? Well, I think he was at the very start. I think he was at Le Havre, but I'm sure he never played for them. Not to any sort of great degree, yeah, yeah. I feel like the American scene is is, is a perfect setup for him when when that day comes. But hopefully he does recover. But um, yeah, it does look like season over for him. But I just wanted to touch on that very briefly. Um, right, okay. I think we will uh, wrap it up there. Um, just before we go, I will of course run down the fixtures for next week. Uh, we've got Leon against Monaco as the Friday night game. Don't miss that; should be a decent watch. Uh, Nantes against Montpellier. These are the Saturday two games on Saturday. Uh, the early game for four pm UK is not Montpellier. And uh, Lille against Marseille. That's another one not to miss. Saturday night eight pm. I think that's on BT. I would imagine or. TNT, whatever the hell it's called these days. Uh, 21st of May, which is the Sunday, we've got the 12pm game, which is Ajaxio, now relegated, of course, against Rennes. So big, uh, it's more important for Rennes than the home side. Uh, the 2pm games are Brest against Clermont. Um, another point maybe for Brest just to absolutely secure their uh, status next season. Nice, host to lose, nothing to see here. Uh, Rams against Angers, similar and Troyes against Strasbourg again. You feel a point, maybe a point, all, all three for Strasbourg will secure their status. And then Lorient Lens is the 4.05 p.m. game, and Auxerre hosting PSG is the Sunday evening game. So we will cover those games next week's show, and uh, we'll maybe have a look at League Dirk, as time has defeated us this week. Um, but let's just say, Jez's uh, hope has re- been restored this weekend. You just never know. There might still be a chance, Jess. Uh, but we'll touch on that next week. Um, so just reminds me to thank both Phil and Jess for their time this evening. So thank you both for that. Thank you. Thank you. And we will, of course, as I say, be back next week. One more week closer to the end of the season. Uh, we've already started having a look at some uh, some one-off specials that we'll probably do over the course of the summer. More on that when the season ends. But we will keep you posted. And uh, until next week, plenty of games to get your teeth into this weekend coming. So don't miss out. Enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon.